Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists, editorial board members, and columnists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by healthcare reporter Laura Garcia. She joins the show today to talk about her special project on health inequities in San Antonio. Welcome to the show, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure to have you on the show uh, this piece is incredible. It's really sprawling. There's a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. But before we get into any of that, I really wanted to talk about how you got this piece going in the first place. I know you you acquired a grant, uh, but but I'll go ahead and let you talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So um, actually, I applied for a grant through the USC Annenberg um, School of Health Journalism, and they fund about 20 reporting projects uh, a year, and it's a national fellowship, and I was able to get it. And so what they do is they give you some mentorship and some coaching and a little bit of money. And um, that has been able to help me pay for um, the the project, which is a three-part series on health inequities um, in San Antonio. So um, when I say health inequities, I mean, it's kind of a big word, but what I'm talking about is uh, just the lack of access and, and the, the different kind of um, barriers that people have when they live in s- certain parts of town, right? So I'm talking about the South Side, I'm talking about among Latinos, um, impoverished areas. Those are going to be areas that are struggling, have always struggled with healthcare access. And, um, you know, my first story that came out uh, on Wednesday, it was, it's about uh, COVID-19 and how the pandemic, it just, you know, there were already these, these terrible disparities and then COVID comes and just made it so much worse, you know? And if you look at the, the death rates, you see that, uh, you know, COVID was 16 times worse, um, on zip codes on the South side than, you know, over there by La Cantera or Stone Oak. And so it's just, it's really telling. And that that's, that's the work that I wanted to do. And then I'm just so excited to be able to, to get out there. We were talking off air a little while ago, and you mentioned that this was a story that you've been wanting to tell for a really long time. And I bring that up because I just had uh, Madeline Mendoza on the show to talk about redlining, which Mm -hmm. you do touch in this, uh, in this special project as well. Mm -hmm. And again, what exactly what I told her is like, you have to be from San Antonio to kind of, get the nuances of everything that's been going on. Can you talk about why this project was so important to you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I I totally agree with you. I feel like, you know, Maddie was able to tell that story on redlining and and how it affects education so you know, in an authentic way because she's from here, you know, and so like her, I'm also a Southside girl, you know. I'm also from here and I've lived most of my life here to Southwest High School and and so it feels deeply personal. So this is something that um, I have experienced in my life and I have observed and wanted to tell these stories for so long. Um, and it's just, uh, now I'm able to, to tell it and it's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, you have something like COVID-19, the pandem- pandemic that comes and just, and just makes it so much worse. Um, and it really just highlights those disparities and, and how unfair it is and, you know, I, I think that Maddie did such an amazing job on her project and and it was just this happy coincidence that we both, you know, two Latinas from the South Side got <laughs> these reporting yeah. grants and and the support from the San Antonio Express News to do these and so in my essay. So I mean we're this this is amazing. You know, I feel like, you know, we're doing this for our gente and and um I'm just feeling really proud. <laughs> no, and definitely you should feel very proud. This is incredible work you're doing here. Uh uh, let, let's get to talking about your article, though. You you started off by highlighting uh, Adriana Rocha Garcia, the councilwoman, oh. and her loss uh, that she suffered through COVID-19. Why did you pick her story to sort of start oh your gosh. your journey here? You know, there were a lot of reasons why I chose it. I think it's just so incredible that you have someone in a position of power who's an elected official that that has personally been impacted by so much loss by tragedy. And so that story really stood out to me, but there are a lot of other reasons. Like once I got to talk to her and meet her um, and sit down and in depth and, and really, you know, she gave me a tour of, of her district. And, you know, the thing is that her district is, is um, that's where a lot of the people that I went to school with live you know, lived in. And uh, we went to the same high school. We both are Southwest high school graduates. And so I saw a lot of similarities. And so, and she's only, a, you know, a few years older than me. And it was just, it's heartbreaking. The the kind of loss, she lost seven family members because of COVID. And she was so careful, you know, wearing masks and trying to get her parents to, to, you know, social distance and not to go out in public and all these things. And, and she still was just, just terribly affected by it after a Father's Day um, get together, you know, and it's just her telling that story. And it's, it's so interesting because she actually is a, a journalist, right? Um, and that's what she went to school for was like in marketing and, and communications. And so she sees things very similar to the way I do. And um, she remembers these dates and these specific moments when things happen. And so I was able to, in the story, talk about how she didn't really want to say anything, but the mayor was texting her like, you know, you really should talk about this to the public, right? Like other people were dealing with loss right now. And at this point, there was no COVID-19 vaccine. We were a few months into the pandemic. Everything was shut down. People were in quarantine or people that could. And and so it was just, it's so powerful because she was right about to talk about it. And she gets a text message from her pastor and she finds out that someone that she um, had worked very closely with in a church, part of her church family, um, had died from COVID. And just, you know, I mean, it's, it's terrible. 
it's terrible what what this pandemic did to our people but more than that it's terrible just just how our health outcomes are so much worse you know I'm, as i'm doing this reporting um you know a little bit before i i got this grant i found out that i have diabetes which runs in my family and it's it's been really hard to to deal with and to to do these different medications and to try to get well and you know and this is i I'm a healthcare reporter, so I should know how to navigate this system, right? So can you imagine people who um, don't have insurance, who don't have a stable job or transportation, reliable transportation, um, who aren't, you know, regularly talking to the hospital CEOs and nurses, right? Like, how do they get the kind of help that they need to be healthy, to be well? Through this process, I've, I've done probably more than 50 interviews. Right. And all kinds of people, healthcare, um, insurance brokers, hospital CEOs, nurses, uh, psychiatrists, podiatrists, you know, <laughs> those type of people, but regular people, too, that live on the south side. And, you know, and I I went to the Texas Diabetes Institute, which is actually on the on the west side. And I was meeting with doctors, uh, Thomas Zagonis, who is a he tries to save people's limbs from that have diabetes, diabetes and have infections, yeah. right? And from amputations, because amputations are terrible on the South side, you know, terrible in San Antonio, but worse. And actually, I'm glad you touched on that because there's that is something that I wanted to bring up. And it's something that you do mention in your article, and it's the crisis before COVID. Yes. And that is the crisis of diabetes and how if you're low income or in a specific zip code, you're more likely to have diabetes yeah. and not have access to the proper care or medication that it takes to, to deal with diabetes. Uh, yeah. Your, your odds of having diabetes are higher. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at some of these areas of town that, that have these super high rates of diabetes, um, which means that your, your blood can't, um, which means that your body can't process that sugar. Right. And, um, and it leads to amputations and, you know, just losing your vision, uh, just so many different things. And I remember going to the diabetes Institute and talking to one of these doctors that that's his job. He tries to save limbs, you know, because he knows that these people, a lot of, uh, people that are dealing, a lot of his patients, they, they need their leg, you know, like they work, they have to take care of their grandchildren. You know, so he'll try to take just maybe their their one of their toes, you know, and save the rest, right? Because they have an infection, and it's just, you know, I I remember going there and just meeting all these patients back to back to back, and and just thinking, wow, like a lot of them didn't know they had diabetes, they didn't know they were sick, you know, they had fallen and had gotten um, a cut on their leg, that sort of thing, and it's just it shows you how our healthcare, how fragile you know, our health is and, and how hard it is to get the care that you need. Another impediment to getting proper care that you highlight in the story is miscommunication. And the fact that many people, uh, on the South and West side just simply don't speak English or don't speak English that well, or don't read English. Absolutely. You know, you talk, you see the councilwoman's parents, they speak primarily Spanish. Um, I, you know, you're Latino, you're from here, 
you know that a lot of um, folks, they feel more comfortable in their native tongue, which is Spanish. And, um, you know, when you're trying to express these public health uh, warnings, right, something that's new that we've never experienced, like the like the pandemic, the coronavirus, um, it, it's like you're trying to reach them, but you're not even in some cases, you're not even speaking in their language. You know, you're how are you reaching them if they don't have the Internet, if they, you know, um if they don't subscribe to the newspaper, you know, like, how are you? And also you mentioned about that miscommunication error where they printed on a door hanger oh that undocumented people couldn't get the vaccine for yeah. some reason. I'm sure that was very harmful as well. It is. It is. And it, I remember we considered, oh, should we, you know, put that in the story? And and I was like, yes, you know, because, <laughs> um, yeah, they came out and said, oh, we're sorry. And we went and took back the door hangers and we're going to put some new door hangers out it got out there, you know, and you don't, that message was out there and it was, it was incorrect, you know? And so even if one person saw it and thought, oh, well, I'm not going to risk it. I guess I don't need a vaccine, you know? This is such a huge project. And you mentioned that it's, it's actually part one of three. So I'm curious as to what was your starting point? How did, where did you begin to gather information or, or yeah, like what was your first step in getting this project started? Oh my gosh, um, you know, like like I told you, I'm a healthcare worker. Uh, I'm sorry, a healthcare reporter, and we were in the middle of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and so I was covering that. So it was it was really hard to break away and to focus specifically on this project. But I like to say that I've really been working on it for so long, you know, my whole, because I'm from here. And so it's impossible to be doing healthcare stories and report on healthcare without seeing the disparities, without mm -hmm. seeing that, you know, there are more hospitals densely located on the North side than the South side, you know? And so a lot of it was just, um, I knew who to talk to, you know, <laughs> I mm -hmm. knew where to, where to go. It was just, it's a lot. You know, it was a lot because how do you put this into um, a story or even three stories and where people want to read it, you know, and it's depressing, too, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to read. It's hard to to talk about. And people don't want to talk about it. You do. You did mention that you have a ton of interviews that you conducted for this project. Can we talk about your process uh, in interviewing? Um are you someone who writes down everything as the person's talking? Are you taking voice memos so you can hear back later? What's your process uh, when it comes to interviewing? Um, yeah, I record everything just in case. and um, But I'm old school. I write my oh, notes yeah. down on a reporter's notebook. But I usually also record in case I need to go back and look at it. I think for me, with this project, you know, so like – like the story with the women that I was talking to um, about their undocumented status and the trouble that they had trying to find, you know, COVID-19 testing and, and when there's, when their children were out of school and this sort of thing. Right. Um, I just sat there, ex accepted the coffee, <laughs> sat around the table with them, hit record and just, just kind of let it wash over me and, and, listened, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I'm in their home. I'm, I want to just listen to them. You know, they don't always get to talk to a reporter and, and tell their side of the story, you know? With so many interviews and so much information to unpack and kind of present succinctly, how do you go about picking which anecdotes make it into the story and which don't? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know that it was super successful. I mean, it it was really hard because you want to get all of these stories in. You want to get all of these little bits, all these little anecdotes in but you don't want to lose readers, right? You want them to stick with you to the end of the story. And I think that Tony Casada, who's my editor, and and Mark DeBossin, who's the executive editor of Express News, they were amazing. They were like, just write everything out, everything that you want, and we'll go through it and we'll and we'll see, you know, uh, where we can tighten or where we can move things around so that it's smoother. And it's it was just really hard because I want to get everything in. You know, there's so many parts uh, there's a part where Dr. Ray Altamirano, who he's a you know proud Southside doctor, and he has a practice called Casa Salud, and he doesn't accept insurance. He just it's a hundred dollars, and it's for labs and everything, right? Because you know it's just a, a lot of Latinos, a lot of people on the Southside don't have insurance. And I went and talked to him and um, got to know his story. His story is just amazing. I was only able to put so much into this, into my story about his, his life experience, right. And why he does what he does. And cause he's just incredible. You know, he's just one of those incredible people who's, who's trying to look out for a hint for our people and, and doing what he can, you know, and he sells paintings to try to help patients who can't afford care. Offset the cost. Yeah. There are parts of his story where he was talking about, you know, he is the son of, of uh, immigrants and, um, you know, he went to one of the poorest, poorest high schools, um, on, you know, in San Antonio and he was a valedictorian. And, you know, he's talking about working at his dad's meat market on the weekends with his siblings and that they used to make chicharrones. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, I love wow. To be able to say that, because how how often do you get to read a news article that has something like that? And lastly, before I let you go, um, in your article, you list Libby Celine and Diego Mendoza Moyer as contributors to the story. Uh, what does collaboration look like for you in on this project? Yeah, so Libby Celine is part of our uh, the Hearst like data um, team. And she's based here in San Antonio and she has been just amazing in helping me. Um, the thing is that we, we know, like we're from here, right? So we know that there are inequities that it's, that, uh, that health outcomes are worse on the South side, but she helped me sort of translate that by using, um, you know, census bureau and CDC data and show that on a graph. Right. Oh, so she, so she helped quantify it. She did all the she did all the the graphics with that, and so and she was very patient with me because it was, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, but you know, I, very specific about what what we wanted to show, um, you know, because we you could drown in data, right? But mm-hmm. like, I wanted to just show like why this is important, why you should care, you know, and um, these stark 
disparities, these differences between Stone Oak and over here by Palo Alto College, right? And she was able to to do that. And so she was a, a great partner in this. And then um, Diego Mendoza actually also helped me with data. And so when I was doing this, we were talking about frontline workers and, and how not everybody could work remotely, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Were there people on the South side that um, because of the nature of, of their jobs and um, maybe their educational uh, uh, attainment, they're in certain jobs that made it impossible for them to work from home or be quarantined, right? And I wanted to, does the data prove that out? And so Diego um, is a great colleague and he was able to help me grab that Census Bureau jobs data <laughs> and and find the certain zip codes on the South side and then look at what were the most prevalent, right? And so are you more likely to be a construction worker or oh. a healthcare worker on the South side? And, and that's correct. You are. And so um, it's one of those things where it's like, we know it's true, you know? You, yeah. You know that people on the South side or in these low income areas are working these hospitality jobs, these frontline positions. But he was able to, to really prove that by, by doing the data, (laughs) helping me with that. That is awesome. Yeah. So cool. um, To be able to work with so many people at the express that, that can help me um, tell these stories about my hometown, you know? And actually really quickly, is there any way you can give us a preview of part two and three, uh, when they're going to come out, are you still yeah. ironing stuff out? Just talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Still stuff to iron out. We're, we're in the editing process and still, I'm still working on those. So part two is, um, is a little bit more into the infrastructure and looking at, um, the density of healthcare facilities on the North side versus the South side. And what, um, you know, what's the County hospital doing about that? Right. Uh, so I don't know if you saw the headlines, but uh, University Health is actually building a hospital or plans to build one over by Texas A&M San Antonio, which is on the southwest side of town. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible because there were only two hospitals on the south side. So now there <laughs> will be three. <laughs> and um, I mean, it's it's great, you know. And so that's p- part of that story. And, and part three is going to be about um, Nick's Hospital, which was this historic hospital downtown that um, that they had so many psych beds there, right? Like, so people who had mental illness, they would be stabilized there and they would, they would have a bed there. Well, private equity company from out of state buys up the hospital, you know, just really, you know, bleeds it dry out of its finances and lays off more than 500 people and just really hurt our medical, um, infrastructure. Our in the infrastructure. Yeah. And so that, that's what that third story is. It was just something I had covered extensively, but I just wanted to tell that in the, I want to tell that in how it affected our in the greater context um, of how the, the, the system is here in San Antonio. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, su- I'm super excited that those are to come. They should all be out by the end of May. And we're also planning a live event so oh, that's really? part of the grant. Yeah. Part of the grant is um, was for community engagement. And so this is something that I don't know that the Express News has ever done before, but we are going to, um, we're going to, we have a venue, we're going to have like a health fair with a, a forum, with a panel of experts talking about the health disparities 
um, and what, what we can do. And I want to have a pop-up COVID vaccine clinic there. <laughs> I <have> very <laughs> Lots of things I want to do, still working on it. Um, but it's supposed to be on May 28th, which is Memorial Day weekend. Well, thanks again for being on the show, Lara. I really appreciate it. There was a lot we didn't cover. And I, I just encourage everyone to go check out the article. As always, it's going to be linked in the episode's description. If you guys want to go read it, I definitely recommend that you do. Uh, thanks again, Lauda, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving me the space for this. I appreciate it. <laughs>